Washington football team fans, welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Episode 29, we will provide an instant reaction to the Washington football team win against the Atlanta Falcons, 34-30 in Atlanta on tonight, Sunday night, guys. So, like I said, instant reaction. The Washington football team just comes off a successful victory, 34-30 against the Atlanta Falcons. And, guys, we're here to give you breakdowns of instant instant reaction, instant analysis, and everything that you come to the Bleeding B&G podcast for. So, you know, as we always start with our recap episodes, we're going going to start with the offense. Taylor Heineke, guys. Taylor Heineke took us on a roller coaster, and I just think that this is a part of the Heineke experience. Taylor Heineke, I, I think that he had a fairly up and down game, but there is no denying that this dude is a gamer. This dude is a gamer. His final stats read off is 23 for 33 uh, for 290 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, which is always a plus to not turn the ball over, and especially, you know, through that future game that he had, you know, protecting the football against the Buffalo Bills. This is a good follow-up. And the reason that I said I think that Taylor had an up-and-down game is because two plays that stick out in my mind distinctly are the two misses that he hit Terry, that he missed Terry McLaurin on on the opening drive. One, I think he was late on an RPO slant. I believe he was just a, a second late, almost got Terry killed. And then on the third down, um, when we didn't convert um, and resulted in a three-and-out, uh, Terry hit an out-and-up where he was open. He was open and could have resulted in almost, you know, I'll get to Terry McLaurin later, but I think he could have had three touchdowns on a day if uh, Taylor hits him how an NFL quarterback is supposed to hit him in stride, leading him and things like that. I think that Terry McLaurin could have possibly been up for, you know, three touchdowns of the day and, you know, being that fantasy superstar that we all know Terry McLovin to be. But like I said, Terry, Taylor Haneke is a gamer, guys, because he didn't let those early miscues affect him. He didn't let those early miscues affect him at all. One thing that I did like about this game is he got back to using his legs to not only run but to be you know aware and extend plays and things like that you know his game winning touchdown to JD McKissick the 30 yard reception he extended plays and he did everything that you're taught not to do he rolled all the way to the left he rolled out some more through the through the ball all the way across his body without his feet set to JD went to the point where he rolled so far to the left that the defense wasn't even there and it was an, an amazing play and like I said I just think that this is a part of the Taylor Heineke experience one thing that I'm starting to believe is that Taylor Heineke is honestly like Brian Fitzpatrick Jr., guys. If we're talking about play style, you know, he's, he's going to make some head-scratching throws. He's ultimately going to keep you in a lot of games. He may win you some games, but he may lose you some games as well. And I just think that, you know, I think that that's what the coaching staff and, you know, the front office saw as well. And so that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick may be a potential suitor as a bridge QB for Taylor Heineke because they have a lot of similar traits. I think that they're similar in build and things like that. I think they're both about 6'1 and things like that. And I just think that, you know, the Taylor Heineke experience keeps on moving, man. Uh, like I said, he made plays in the fourth quarter, huge plays in the, in the fourth quarter, extending plays and things like that. His touchdown to Terry, he broke a tackle and extended the play, uh, stepped up in the pocket and fell back almost like a fadeaway throw that looked like a punt but you know Terry McLaurin came down you know with the catch as you know Terry McLaurin does but I'll touch on Terry McLaurin later but just, just talking about the Heineke experience that dude is a gamer um, I'm excited to see what he has left in him he's honestly leading the best unit on this team right now 
Um, and it's not, and that wasn't something that we would have thought in June, July, or you know, leading up into the season, leading up into. Honestly, until the day before week one, when we saw how putrid this defense was ending up going to be, we never thought that we would have to win shootout type games and things like that. But if you look at our two wins, both of them have been shootouts. Both of them have been, you know, games where we had to score at least 30 points. And that's something that, you know, we're not used to seeing as Washington football team fans, if we're being honest. And Taylor Heineke is the guy doing it at the helm. So we have to, you know, keep that in consideration, whether we want to bash Heineke and things like that, or whether we don't think he's the future and things like that. He He's, he's taking our offense to heights we haven't seen since 2016, at least. And that was with Sean McVay and Kirk Cousins and things like that. So the Heineke experience keeps on chugging along. Um, right now, I'm along on the ride. I told you guys a couple of episodes ago that I'm teetering along the bandwagon, but I think I'm fully on because he's shown me some capabilities. This dude is never going to quit. And that's what I think the offense has shown as well. Even late in Buffalo with Logan Thomas scoring late in that game as well. I just think that the offense has shown a lot more fight than the defense this season, and they've shown that they're not going to give up. There's a bunch of fighters on this offense, starting with a guy like Terry McLaurin and guys like, you know, Taylor Heineke. Heineke! So, yeah, a shout-out. Shout-out to Taylor Heineke. I know Bud Light was looking a little skeptical about that sponsorship deal after the Buffalo game, but I think they're feeling good after this game. Shout-out to you, Taylor. Um, shout-out to Antonio Gibson. I heard a lot of talk talking about um, Taylor Heineke's homecoming game, and rightfully so, you know, coming back to Georgia and things like that where he played his high school ball and grew up and things like that. But nobody really talked about Antonio Gibson's homecoming game as well. Antonio Gibson is a guy from Stone Mountain, Georgia as well. And he... I I thought that he played a pretty well game. I thought uh, he ran for 14 carries for 63 yards for an average of about 4.5 yards per carry. And he showed a lot of power on that touchdown run right before halftime um, where we thought that we were going to go in with, um, with the lead until, you know, our future defense gave up another score, um, ultimately resorting us in trailing and going into the half. But I thought that Antonio Gibson showed great power on that one. One thing that I would like to see more is I would still like to see Antonio Gibson get more touches in space, whether that be pitches, whether that be sweeps, whether that be jet tosses. I would love for us to get more creative with Antonio Gibson because I haven't seen it yet. While I don't think that Star Turner has necessarily called, you know, had a bad, you know, scheme or play calling scheme throughout these first four games, I think that we can use um, Antonio Gibson in a variety of more ways using that explosive speed that we saw in the Buffalo game. And we forget that this is damn near a 230-pound running back, guys. Like, he showed that with that power on his, on his touchdown run, and he reminded everybody, like, guys, I'm hard to bring down when I really want to put my mind to it. And with, with that 230 pounds in space with 4-3 speed, he's going to be lethal. So I think that he needs to be used in more screens and things like that. I know we didn't necessarily get off to the strongest um, in the screen game, the strongest um, in the screen department today. But, you know, I think that we can utilize him in more ways. Like I said, reverses and things like that. Line him up wide, which he's used to doing in college. One thing um, that I did want to touch on is I really haven't seen what I wanted to see out of Antonio Gibson in the in the passing game this season. And part of that is, you know, the fantasy football geek that I, you know, PPR legend, you know, that I wanted him to be. Um, you know, my fantasy football fans out there, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, use him as, you know, his. he, he grew up as a wide receiver. Like, we're putting him at the uh, running back position. He's completely opposite from a guy like Jared Patterson that's been playing running back since the age of six. This is the guy that started playing running back when he hit the NFL. So, please, just let him be more natural. Uh, I remember last year in the Baltimore game, we ran him on a lot of outside screens where he was lining up on the boundary and things like that. I want to see more plays like that because I think that he can be a 
effective in that role. Like I said, 230 pounds, 6'2", 230 pounds running a 4'3", you don't want to see that in space. And we need to utilize that. We need to utilize that. I heard a lot of talk pre-draft and, you know, a lot of to the talk early last season was comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. Well, Christian McCaffrey gets utilized damn near every play in the passing game. So I want to see a lot of those things. And I'm saying that Antonio Gibson is going to be Christian McCaffrey because nobody's 22. But I want to see us be more creative with Christian um, with Antonio Gibson. Excuse me. But one of the reasons why I don't think that we gave Antonio Gibson as many touches as he could be as he could have seen today is because I told you guys. I told you guys, give me my flowers. Give me my flowers. Just I'm one of them. I told you guys, everybody on Twitter that was at my neck. Everybody on Twitter that was at my neck. I told you guys. J.D. McKissick is what we hope Chris Thompson to be. I didn't hear anybody on Twitter after the game. And I was looking for you. I was looking for you. I stayed around. I retweeted my tweet. I brought it back up. I was trolling. Because I need my flowers. I need my flowers. And I didn't hear him. I didn't hear him. Let your apologies be as loud as your disrespect was. Like I told you, J.D. McKissick is what we hope Chris Thompson would be because he's going to give it to us on a game-by-game basis. Look, J.D. McKissick is the guy who is up catching the game winning touchdown. In both of our wins, J.D. McKissick has been crucial to the offensive game plan and crucial to the impact and the result of the game as well. This is a guy that had five catches for 44 yards resulting and also our game in the touchdown, a 30-yard play where he, he, he just, his natural receiver instincts kicked in. He had to check down. He saw that Taylor kept rolling left, left. He's going to create the space and the spatial distance to allow the pass to be completed. He broke a tackle and then the five-yard dive to the end zone. What's up with our backs in these dives to the end zone? We had the one, uh, the one they get four-yard dive from Antonio Gibson last week, and then the dive by J.D. McKissick today. This is my guy. I told you guys I love J.D. McKissick, and it's no surprise to me that when we win games, J.D. McKissick has a heavy influence on the game. We need to use J.D. McKissick more. We need to use our backfield more. We need to use our backfield more. I love the Taylor Heineke experience. Like I said, I'm all da- I'm down for the Heineke experience, but let him use his playmakers because we're starting to learn that we have a lot on this offense, and. That leads me to the ultimate playmaker. The ultimate playmaker and the best player on this Washington football team is Terry McLaurin. And right now, I honestly think that he's a top five receiver in the NFL. And I really don't want to hear what anybody has to say about it. Considering quarterback situations, considering the numbers that he puts up, considering productivity, considering how he does it, I don't see how five receivers are doing it better than Terry McLaurin in 2021. Guys, this is a guy, six receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns. And the second touchdown was a play of the ages where he damn near caught a punt from Taylor Heineke. A lot of people are giving it to Taylor Heineke. Oh, this was a great game. And I'm, hey, Taylor Heineke played a great game. But that touchdown was 90-10, Terry McLaurin. And the only reason that I'm giving 10 to Taylor Heineke is because he did extend the play. But that touchdown was all Terry McLaurin, guys. Like, guys... Receivers that are worse than Terry McLaurin aren't coming up with that catch. They're not because they don't have the determination, the willpower. This is the best player on our team, guys, and I love everything that he represents. I love everything that he represents. I love everything about Terry McLaurin, and this guy's a dog. This guy's a special player, and this guy is some a guy that I want to be a part of the Washington football team for years to come. We need to sign him to a long-term extension now. We need to sign him to a long-term extension now. 
Guys, this is the Terry McLaurin, like my favorite player on the Washington football team and easily the best player on the team at this moment. Um, and we, we were talking about, like last week I mentioned how he was using being used on all these short routes. Six catches, 123 yards. That's about a 20-yard per catch average, and that's where I want to see him at. This guy's an elite talent, and we need to use him as such. Speaking of the wide receivers, shout-out to DeAndre Carter. Our first kick return since Steve Sims in the Detroit Lions game in 2019. And then he also had a huge 24-yard reception um, on the game-winning touchdown drive. So this is a guy, guys, he, 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 you see he's visibly mad when he can't return punts and things like that, when he can't return kicks and things like that. And you see why. Because he knows that he's lethal with the ball in the sense. The guys found the hole on the kickoff return touchdown to open up the second half, and he exploded through it. I saw as soon as he left out, it, it was murder she wrote. Like it was, he was gone. He was gone. And I and like I said, I see why he's get visibly upset. At first, I thought it was kind of cliche. So I was like, oh, he's look, 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 he has a little boyish attitude, and it was cute. But you see why? Because he knows he's a playmaker, and he can he can do lethal things with the ball in his hands. So shout out to DeAndre Carter, and we're, he's needed. He's needed, and I'll touch on the reason why he's needed later, um, pretty soon actually. But shout out to Curtis Samuel in his first action as a Washington football team player. He had four receptions for 19 yards, and he was on a pitch count. But the thing that sparked my interest the most is that three of his receptions um, resulted in first downs. So if he can just be simply a chain mover until he reaches 100% health, where well, he know we, we we know he can be the deep threat receiver that we're looking for. I I I, I was pleased with what I saw from Curtis Samuel in his first game action. We got to think, guys. This is a guy that saw about two practices all year. All year, so we can't expect him to be in football shape. So for him to have uh, just that type of impact on the game is a plus. And a lot of a lot of positives coming from this offense, as you can see, a lot of positives, and that's what you're going to get when you have a 30 point victory, something that we're not used to in the Washington Football Team community, as I said before. Um, the reason that I did mention DeAndre Carter though is because we need to step up. We need to step up and find that number two receiver. Hopefully, it is Curtis Samuel with his return, but I'm not seeing what. I was hoping to see from De'Ami Brown. He missed this game with a knee injury. Logan Thomas also missed the majority of this game with a hamstring injury. But hopefully De'Ami Brown can get healthy and get back on the field. But I, 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 he's, he had, he's had a slow start to his rookie year. And it surprised me after, you know, especially what I saw from him producing in training camp and in the preseason and things like that. I don't know if him and Taylor Heineke have the best rapport right now. But hopefully, that, like I said, that De'Ami can get healthy. You know, the bank, they could get that Report and you know they can they can get things going because De'Ami Brown has had a really slow start and I know it's bugging a lot of Washington football team fans because we had a lot of hope and a lot of praise coming from for De'Ami coming out of the University of North Carolina. Um, that's it for the offense. The like like I mentioned, I mentioned on my social media pages as well. Don't forget to follow Bleeding BNG on Instagram and Twitter. I'll tag those pages at the end of the video. But as I mentioned on my social media pages, I love what I'm seeing from the offensive line at this point. They're really strong. They're getting a strong push in the run game. This is the third out of four games where Antonio Gibson has averaged at least four and a half yards per carry in the run game. And guys, we're, we're, we're giving Taylor the time. I know he's had to extend a couple plays and things like that. But some of those, I think, are because Taylor is a little late in his read and he knows he doesn't have the strongest R. So he knows once he's a split second late. And I think that this is a good good self-awareness of him being cognizant of his skill set. He knows once he's a split second late, he has to get over to his next read, extended plays and things like that. I think that J.D. McKissick, I think Taylor mentioned that J.D. was the fifth option on the game winning touchdown. And what you saw and things like that. So that mentions how, you know, Taylor's cognizant of, you know, being a split second late. He knows he doesn't have the strongest arm, you know. 
um, it was a couple of incompletions out to Terry that he left the ball hanging and things like that. Um, but for the offense, 420 yards, this is a plus. But this is a plus for the offense, and I think that it's only going to get better because, like I said, I can only see Curtis Samuel getting healthier. I can only see us using Antonio Gibson in more creative ways and things like that. On to this defense, this imposter defense, this imposter defense. Guys, like, what does this defense do good at this point? That's the question. Like, what does this defense do good at this point? A lot of us were hopping onto the one positive stat coming out of three weeks of this of the NFL season for this defense is that you know we led the league and you know, not having missed tackles or such. This was our worst tackling game of the season. John Bostic, you are trash, bro. You are trash. John Bostic, you are trash. And everybody else that let Mike Davis pinball on them into the end zone. That was some of the worst tackling that I've seen in the NFL in a long time. What is up with these coverage breakdowns? We still don't understand our scheme. I know our scheme is to allow the middle of the field to be wide open. Our scheme is to allow the middle of the field to be wide open. Like, they don't, like quarterbacks don't even bother to throw outside the numbers on us because the middle is going to be wide open and it's an easier throw, so why bother? Our linebackers are trash. Our first-round pick, Jamin Davis, had two tackles. He's non-existent. John Bostic is the worst linebacker in the NFL. Cole Holcomb, you were pretty, you were pretty good today, Cole Holcomb. You were pretty good. You were pretty impressive, flying all over the field and things like that. But when when your defensive line is being overhyped and not getting there like we expected, you know, Montez Sweat had a sack and nobody else. We only had one sack on the E-Mobile Matt Ryan. This defense is is like. It's crazy because they fooled everybody. They didn't just fool me. They fooled the national media. They fooled everybody. They fooled everybody. And, it, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Kendall Fuller sucks. Kendall Fuller sucks. Landon Collins doesn't need to be on the field unless he's playing linebacker. He is horrible in space. Bobby McCain is supposed to be the deep single high safety. He's biting on underneath routes. We're just bad all around right now. And we were supposed to be the best defense in the NFL going into the season. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. But I'm not going to harp too much on a loss. I mean, on a win because we did win the game. But the way the defense played, we should have lost, honestly. We should have lost. Like I said, Landon Collins is horrible in space. Landon Collins is horrible in space. Kadero Tony played with that guy a couple of times. And he doesn't even try to tackle. He just dies now. Landon was a pretty solid tackler coming out of the University of Alabama. But now he, he just lost all his fundamentals. John Bostic, you're horrible. You suck. I can play linebacker better than John Bostic right now. And I'm not joking. I am not joking. I have the straightest of faces you can see on my YouTube fam. You guys can see I have the straightest of faces because John Bostic sucks. John Bostic is garbage. Like, the defensive line is overhyped. They played a little bit better today. I will admit... The Chase Young should have had his first sack today. A lot of us are bashing him on that rough in the passer call. But let's be if I'm being honest, Chase looks like a guy that remembers the New York Giant game where he got that rough and passer call against Daniel Jones. And he didn't need, he didn't know what to do when he got to Matt Ryan. Like he gave Matt Ryan a people's elbow to the neck. Didn't get him down. And like I said, it should have been his first sack of the season. But we don't, we don't, you know, we don't count paper stats, you know. Chase Young still has zero sacks through through four games. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, 
A lot of you guys are telling me I was too hard on him, and I do, I do think he had a, a pretty pretty big impact in today's game. Um, I won't let me stop. Let me reword that. I do think he had an impact in today's game. I saw that he showed a lot of good bursts and, you know, stunts and things like that. And if that's how we need to get Chase Young free at this point, because he only has one pass rush move, so be it. We can use his athletic traits and things like that. We can use that speed to, you know, once he gets free on a stunt or things like that, he can use that burst. He showed it on a couple of stunts and things like that today. He was in Matt Ryan's face a couple of plays. I, I'm really curious to see what the PFF numbers look like as far as his pressures because I did see him get loose on a couple of stunts. But as far as one-on-one, -on -one, he's still looking a little rough. Uh, Montez, sack, Montez Sweat is back to his form, you know, getting at least one sack a game. He was pretty impactful in the run game as well, making a huge play on that first play in the Falcons' um, last drive or second to last drive, um, shutting down that pitch with John Allen game and finally smacked the running back. One of the best tackles I saw this 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 today because we barely tackled anybody. We made we made Cordero Patterson look like Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, and Gail Sayers all all in one. And Cordero Patterson is a great player, but there's a reason why he's he's on his fifth NFL team. And we made him look like a future NFL Hall of Famer in the receiving game because he he may very well get there in the kick return game if you look at his numbers. We made Cordero Patterson look like a, a Hall of Fame offensive player, and he's never been that. This defense is garbage. This defense is trash. If you told me that we would have had to win games by having shootouts, and the games we would win would be due to having shootouts, I would have laughed at you at the beginning of the season. I would have laughed at you, honestly. Because like I said, I wasn't the only one. Everybody bought, bought the hype of this defense. Everybody bought the hype of this defense. For just as good of, as, of, of a game as De'Ron Payne had last week, he was just as quiet today. Even though he did have a great play. You know, he almost pulled Matt Ryan back down on the second to last play of the game. Holding, you know, the ball for a couple more seconds and things like that. You see, we acknowledge everything at Bleeding BNG. We're real football heads at Bleeding BNG. We notice everything. So that was Deron, Deron Payne's best play of the game, holding Matt Ryan down for a couple of seconds because he didn't make much impact outside of that. Tim Settle played, what, almost a fifth of, of Deron Payne's snaps, and I, I noticed a tackle for loss that I didn't see from Deron Payne today. Like, this defense was expected to average four to five sacks a game. Like, what are we doing? And I don't want to hop on the D-line because, like I said, I do think that they're better. They were better today. But, we, like, I, I honestly already knew that this linebacker core was trash. And it's even worse because I thought Jamin Davis was better than, than he is. Jamin Davis is not good right now. He's not a good football player. And honestly, and I hate to say this, John Boston getting hurt might be the best thing that happens to this defense. It might allow, it might allow us to lie J, lie. To allow, it might allow us to line Jamin Davis up at his more natural position, not forcing him in that middle linebacker role in the base defense. And maybe we can start a guy like Landon Collins down to play that linebacker role. Because like I said, he is not in his space. I might be able to cover more ground than Landon Collins at this point. He's another guy that fooled us. Because he looked damn amazing in Richmond. You guys were there. You saw it. But like I said, guys, I, I, I'm not going to let the defense rain on this parade too much. 
The Heineke experience is going to overshadow this defense for at least one more week. We got the New Orleans Saints coming up. They just lost to the Giants. So I think that this is a win that we can get before the real gauntlet comes of the games against Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay. But, hey, I'm not going to complain about a win. Because one thing that I've had learned to appreciate as I've gotten older, it don't matter. It doesn't matter how you get it, guys. It don't matter how you get it, as long as you get it in the NFL. Because this is a tough league. This is a tough league. Washington covered the spread. I made some money today. It's a good Sunday. It's always a good Sunday, and I'm going to have a good week because the Washington football team won. My YouTube fam, hopefully you like my shirt. Hope you like my shirt. My fans always say they love it when I go to the games and wear this shirt. I'm feeling festive. It's always a good move when the Washington football team wins. Like I said, Terry McLaurin's amazing. The Heineke experience. Oh, one thing I did want to mention about Terry McLaurin. Because, like, NFL players, you guys should slap yourselves, bro. You guys should slap yourselves. How is this guy not a top 100 player? And then a guy that I consistently see him group with, you know, when they're ranking receivers and things like that, is Calvin Ridley. Terry McLaurin showed you who was the best receiver in the field today. And Calvin Ridley was ranked amongst the top 100 players. What the hell? Something's not adding up. Something's not making sense. Something's not making sense. Something's not making sense. Terry McLaurin, I don't know if DBs are just mad because Terry McLaurin has been doing this to him since game one, since literally game one in his career. But it's about time that he gets his just due. Even amongst the Washington football team fans, like I said, Taylor played a great game. Please stop giving him credit for that touchdown. Let's start giving Terry McLaurin his roses because, honestly, we don't deserve him. We don't. But I'm glad that he's on his te our team, and I'm grateful for him. I am so grateful for him. Washington wins 34-30. I'm in an amazing mood. We have a Saints preview coming out early this week. Early this week with a special guest. With a special guest. Someone that's that's really important amongst the Washington football team. You know, media and things like that. So be, out, be on the lookout for that episode. Make sure that you review, you like, you comment, subscribe on my YouTube. Make sure that you're following our social media pages. At BleedingBNG on our Instagram. That's at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. And at BleedingBNG on Twitter. That's at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And like I said, guys, review, rate, comment. We're on all podcast platforms, but especially on Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that whenever you're looking for Washington football team comment, Bleeding BNG is the first thing that you see because we're giving you the best content, the best information, the best updates, the best analysis, everything. Everything regarding content and the Washington football team, we're giving it to you at the Bleeding B&G Podcast. So be sure to follow our social media pages, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and be on the lookout for our New Orleans Saints preview. Peace.